something the Father was just saying to me as I was standing there. That my people have said, we desire your presence. And some have even been so bold as to say they want to see my glory. it is true that in these last days it will increase but with it will come the urge on the inside of you to repent you remember when Moses asked to see my glory had to hide him in the cleft of the rock for no one could see it and live but now that the veil has been removed can I not truly show you who I am so when I ask for things to change in your heart it is not to condemn you. It is to prepare you to see and to experience the wonders that you have never seen. So till up the ground of your heart and do not hold back from repentance for that feeling on the inside of you is not your flesh. I am calling you out. There is much to do. Oh, Father, we, we open up our hearts to repentance. We know you don't condemn us. But we do know that you grow us. And those little things that we've just been pushing back. Give us the vision of the why. <laughs> Not just the what, but the why. For if we know the cause and we have the vision, we'll deal with it accordingly. Your Holy Spirit will help us. We do want to see your glory. We do. We do. You know, we've, we've been talking about some tough things the last couple of weeks. Out here, talking about home, dealing with issues in the home for three weeks, I think. Wednesday night Bible study, we've been dealing with forgiveness on a deeper level than we've ever gone before there's been some revelation revealed that just has been life-altering for me um, it didn't record Wednesday night but hopefully John if the Lord allows can teach that out here because there was some revelation in what he taught that was life-altering for me and you know when we see the big picture of why God is wanting to deal with those things inside of us that our flesh just tries to make us feel guilty about, to keep us down. God wants to draw those things out so he can exalt us in due time. And so, as we go into this today, I believe God has tilled, if you will, the soil of our hearts to receive what he has to say. And it's for growth. It's for growth. And I haven't, I haven't failed it since yesterday. I mean, you know, I was so pumped up after Wednesday night for what John taught. And I thought, okay, I've got this. Man, I see it. I see it. And if yesterday, Bo, if I did not open my mouth. But the good thing is, I'm recognizing it. I'm seeing it now. When I do it, I'm like, whoa. No, 
And so have grace with yourself, but don't quit because he's taken us somewhere. He has, he wants you to see him in all of his glory. Amen. Y'all can be seated. I'll, I could just sit up here and let them play and I could talk, but I've loved the last couple of weeks out here. I know we had Vic Porter last week taught on leadership and I know Vic teaches a whole different style but I'm telling you I could just sit and he can say a sentence and I can just say stop just stop just let me let that be the sentence of the day and let me chew on that a while and and uh, so I enjoyed it and really it did not break up our teaching on the home because my goodness if there's any place you need to lead it's at home right? So I hope y'all enjoyed us having him in. Turn with me to Matthew 7. Let's go to our base scripture that we've covered the last several weeks. I'm going to throw you a different version today because we've read it for so many weeks. Sometimes we go, yep, she reads that every week. So I'm going to throw the message, a little street language version in here to you, Sammy. Uh, just to stir things up a little bit. Matthew 7, verse 24, Jesus is speaking. He says, These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. They're not homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words. Words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, the tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and you don't work them into your life, you, I didn't write this. You are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. And when a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. I like that version. Because we've got to take his word and work it into our life. Specifically, we've been talking about the home. We've got to take his word, everything we've been studying in the last couple of weeks... Take his word and work it into your marriage. Work it into your life with your children. Work it into your life at work. Because if we don't work it in, we're just hearing. And the scripture says if we're just hearers only and we're not doers, we're deceiving ourselves. We're fooling ourselves. No change is taking place just because you're coming to church. By the way, if you know anybody that sits in this center section, call them tomorrow and say, you know what, I'm missing you. Either that or they've all migrated and they all want to sit over here in these two sections or maybe they're in the balcony. Look, it's not just about coming to church. And next week I think we're going to talk about commitment. Commitment's been the word in ladies' Bible study this year. If we're not if we're not exposing our old way of thinking to the new way of thinking of the Word of God to the point of change, we're deceiving ourselves. I raised my kids in church. How many times do I hear that? I raised my kids in church. We went at least twice a year, Easter and Christmas. Does it make a difference? Never. Not one time have I had a parent come to me and say, thank goodness I did not take my teenager to youth group. I took them too much. I cannot believe we wasted all of that time dropping them off. on. Where's Dylan? I should at least get a good amen right here. Um, not once. You know what happens? When the teenager gets in trouble, then they want to force that child into No, no you, let me tell you why you have them in preschool class. 
Because right now, upstairs in preschool class, at age three and four, they are building relationships with people that they will do life with the rest of their life. And they're learning the word. And then they go to children's church. And there they learn even deeper truths and how to operate in the things of God. They go through scenarios, school scenarios, life scenarios. They, those kids go up there and they, they request prayer for your marriage. And don't ever ask them if they did. And Karen and Marilyn will never tell you. Because they're dealing with life issues up there. And they're training those kids. And they're building friendships. They're learning how to apply the word. And then Dylan and Rachel get them over in youth group. And that could be very possibly who they date, who they marry, amen, who they have children with. Don't tell me it doesn't matter. We're building homes here. We're building homes. And if you're one in a home or if you're ten in a home, I know I say that every week, but I mean it. Home needs to be good. It's your Garden of Eden, right, Sandra? It's what you function out of. It needs to be peace when you go there. And so that's why we're covering these things. It's it's so important that we work the Word into home. First week, we talked about how are you alone. Because if you're not good alone, you're not going to be good when you add other things to your life. Second week, we talked about respect in the home. There's a great book called Love and Respect in the Home. I highly recommend it if you're having respect issues in your home. And today we're going to talk about forgiveness in the home. (laughs) I, I know we're supposed to forgive each other. But sometimes we don't take that home. Sometimes we don't work that in at home. I should at least get one amen from the front row. Thank you. You know, and sometimes it's forgiving others. Sometimes it's forgiving ourselves. You can't have a healthy home if you haven't forgiven yourself for some things. It starts with you and it goes out. But whichever that is, we want to build a home, not a prison. We want to build a home, not a prison. I got tickled because, I mean, I'm not kidding you. I had no sooner typed this in my notes and my phone dinged. And I have certain people that send me stuff daily. And and Vic Porter sent me this. This is his quote that he gave me for today. As long as we continue to withhold forgiveness of ourselves and others, we will stay locked up in our personal prison and the pain continues. I just cracked up. I can't wait to send him something after church. As long as we continue to withhold forgiveness of ourselves or of others, we will stay locked up in our personal prison and the pain continues. Forgiveness is a must in the home. Now, I say this every week. I'll say it again. I am not saying that you need to stay in an abusive, bad situation. Okay, that's my disclaimer. That is the truth. If you're in an unsafe situation, I am not saying that you forgive them and live with them. I'm saying you forgive them and you live safe. I should get a whole lot of amens out here right now. Okay? So that's, I'm not going to repeat that again. Everybody understands. That's, that's where I'm coming from. Most of this, what I'm going to talk about today is in a normal home where there's stuff that happens even affairs there's stuff that happens and forgiveness is needed if the home is going to stay intact and forgiveness is needing needed if the home doesn't stay intact okay you with me Ephesians 4 let's go there we covered this a couple of Wednesday nights ago, but I want to bring it over into the home and apply it there. So if you're a Wednesday night Bible study person, just hang with me. I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified, and I'm going to start in verse 21. 
All right. Yeah. Assuming that you have really heard him, Jesus, and been taught by him, Jesus, as all truth is in Jesus, embodied and personified in him. Strip yourselves of your former nature. Put off, discard your old, unrenewed self. That's what we're doing. We're peeling back the layers, right? You take off your old, unrenewed self with the characterized, that which characterized your previous manner of life. You know, you can't have a good home living in strife of what's happened from the past. And I've seen it, we've seen it a lot in dealing with marriages in the office. Look, if you're going to stay and you've been through some hard things, but you've decided to stay, you cannot keep throwing up the dirt of the past. You can deal with it. You can talk about it. You can, you can set up an accountability system. You can do some constructive things. I'm not saying you don't hold the person accountable and that you don't have to set up a plan to work through some things, but you can't keep throwing the dirt of the past up and make it. Oh, you might stay married, but it's going to be a mess. And so we have to be able to renew our attitudes. We have to be able to renew our minds, right? Isn't that what the scripture teaches us in Romans 12? Be constantly, this is verse 23, be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind. If you've ever, can I just talk real just plain today? Okay. Anna's not married, hadn't been married, so I'll, I'll talk over here. Yet. If Anna had been married and her husband had cheated on her, and she, there's repentance, and she decides to stay in that marriage, committed to that marriage, Anna may have to renew the spirit of her mind every single day for a long time. And y'all can shake your heads. None of us are going to think you've had an affair or that your husband or your wife has had an affair, even though it happens in the church, right? It happens in the church. So what do you, what do, you do when, when things happen in a marriage that you know, aren't supposed to happen in a marriage. And people will often ask, you know, how do you get past that? How do, how do you get, uh, how many young people? I don't have too, too many young people. I can, how do you get back in the bed with them? You're going to you're gonna have to, you're going to have to have a renewed attitude every day. And you're going to have to take authority. I don't know who this is for today, but hello. Uh, this isn't my notes. You're going to have to take authority over your thoughts and control your mind if you're going to stay. You're going to have to. And time and proving. Okay, there's a proving. If you've cheated on your mate... There is a proving. Trust has been broken. And it's going to have to be built. It's going to have to be restored. But it can be. And I wouldn't dare ever ask for a show of hands, but there are marriages in here who have been through it. There are lots of really good marriages that I know outside of here who have been through it. And they have beautiful marriages today. So you need to pray about it. Let God speak to your heart. But no, 
You're going to have to deal with your mind. And forgiveness is one of those things. And I love something, uh, man, I hate to use John's notes, but I'll say, I'll try not to preach your message, John, in case you preach it out here. But John said something really good Wednesday night. He said, sometimes when you look at forgiveness, you kind of have to look at what it's not to understand what it is. I know, a John Burge quote. Which is so true because forgiveness is not condoning. And this is what I see in a lot of marriages not just marriages, but parent-child, child-parent, is things get swept under the rug, not forgiven. And they get swept under the rug, not dealt with. Forgiveness does not mean we don't deal with this, we're not going to talk about this. Forgiveness means we can talk about this. And, and, and we've got to understand that in the home. Man, I don't even know where I got, oh... Fresh mental and spiritual attitude. That's where we got, wasn't it? Verse 24. Put on the new nature. Put it on. Takes effort. Put it on. Put on the new nature. Created in God's image. God-like. In true righteousness and holiness. Therefore rejecting all falsity. And being done now with it. Let everyone express the truth with his neighbor. Look, if you have to express the truth with your neighbor, you sure need to do it in your home. We're not hiding anything. We're dealing with it, right? And I see this a lot in Christian homes. They think forgiveness is sweeping it under the rug and acting like it didn't happen. And then what you have is this smoldering ember Waiting for fuel. And then when he comes home late. Or then when she's on the phone and you walk by and she puts it down. You can't talk about it. Because you haven't, you haven't forgiven to the point that you can talk about things and say, Honey, it bothers me when you're on the phone and I walk by and you hide your phone. Because forgiveness will allow you to say that. And it will allow that person to, to take it. But smoldering is looking for fuel. And it doesn't take much. So forgiveness, if I took gasoline and I poured it out up here on this platform, you know what would happen? Smell bad? Nothing. Well, there's oxygen. Doesn't fire require oxygen? There's oxygen, and there's a flammable. What's missing? Heat. Heat. So as long... You can pour fuel on the fire, I'm sorry, fuel on the, the situation, and if forgiveness has been there, and Bridget, where's Bridget? This is a Bridget quote from one Wednesday night, but there's been a clean slate. That's what she used to use in her classroom. After they had dealt with a situation with a student, they got a clean slate. If there's a clean slate between me and Rusty, we, we've dealt with the situation, we've forgiven each other, there's a clean slate, you can pour fuel on it. It's something you just got to clean up. But if we haven't dealt with it, and I've already got heat, and he pours fuel on it, combustion is about to happen. And it's not pleasant. Is that, you get that? Oh, this goes good right here. Verse 26. When angry, do not sin. What a statement. When angry, do not sin. Do not ever let your wrath, your exasperation, your fury, your indignation last until the sun goes down. Leave no such room. 
leave no such foothold for the devil. Mm. Amplified says, give no opportunity to him. So if we have this unresolved anger, undealt with anger, and we let it last, we are leaving space, giving opportunity for the devil to work in our homes. I, I don't even want to think about that. We're, we're giving him space to work. When angry, do not sin. Get it resolved. Deal with it. Have a plan. Talk about it. Anger is for righting wrongs. You can be angry and sin not. Anger has a purpose. Something's been wrong. It needs to be made right. But if you just stay angry without making it right, then anger remains and it is a combustion waiting to happen. Anger and sin not. Correct the injustice. Anger's not for sin. Anger is for correction. Let me... Babe, will you hand me that, that book? Thank you. I'm going to suggest a book to you if, if there's anger issues in your home. Okay? Now, when I first started reading this, it gives lots of stories about people going through things. And it took me a minute. And then once I, once I read the whole thing... I really, really recommend this book for people dealing with anger. It's called The Other Side of Love, and it's by Gary Chapman, which you might recognize he wrote the Love Language books, okay? The Other Side of Love, Handling Anger in a Godly Way. If you've got issues with anger or you're living with someone who has issues with anger, highly suggest that you read that book. always like to give you a resource if I can. Do what is right with your anger. Do what's right with your anger. Don't, but don't let the wrath and the exasperation, the fury, the indignation last until the sun goes down. What a great principle for home. And it doesn't mean you have to do something immediately. Sometimes it's best. You know, sometimes adults need a time out. Sometimes we need a time out. If the anger and the emotions are high and, and if what's fixing to come out your mouth is not constructive, then maybe you need, and what I have found is helpful with couples, a lot of times I'll, I'll say this, if there's a lot of anger, and, and, and women, girls, if the man is mad, and I'm, I'm very blessed that my husband doesn't have anger. He's really the chill one, just saying. Um, ladies, if, if, you're, if your man is mad, don't be a chihuahua. You know what I'm saying? And just follow them, you know, like they want to go outside, they want to go to the shop, they need, they need to get out, they need to breathe, they need some oxygen. And you just... Do not put the camera over there so certain woman doesn't know who said that. Amen. This is true. Or vice versa, depending on the personality in the relationship. And children, don't follow your parents after they've told you no. Right, Angela? I mean, just the no is just going to get worse. And parents, don't, don't ride your children. This has got to, we've got to work this word into our homes. If you're angry with your child, you might need to go to timeout. It keeps you from saying stupid things that, that a child can hear in their head for the rest of their life. 
You can deal with it here in 10 minutes when you've calmed down. Go outside, take a walk. Go to the bathroom, shut all the doors. Turn the music up where you can't hear. Do what you need to do. We've got to, we're, we're talking about building homes here, protecting hearts, raising humans. And, and we can't afford to let anger go where it's not meant to go. Angry, but sin not. Anger, but sin not. Anger is not for sin. Do what's right with your anger. I looked up the word smolder because it kept coming to me. Some of you are smolders. You smolder. You're smoldering. Right here, right now, just hearing this message. And maybe it's somebody on TV or radio. You're smoldering. You know, we, when I said the word smolder, it hits you right in the face. You're a smolder. You've got things that happened years ago and you're still smoldering. Therefore, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how good they've been, how bad they've been, you're going to see the bad because you're smoldering. It means the process of burning slowly with smoke but no flame. Smoldering can go unnoticed for many days before the smoke starts to even be seen and it can be ignited at any given time if fuel is added. Just waiting. Just waiting, just that gasoline poured up out here. Just waiting. God wants whatever causes the heat in you to be dealt with today. Start dealing with it today. Start dealing with it today so that there's not destruction. When angry, do not sin. Don't let your wrath. Your fury, your indignation lasts until the sun goes down. Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give him no opportunity. And then we covered this Wednesday night, but I'm going to repeat it. If unforgiveness and anger holding something against somebody gives opportunity for the devil to work, what does forgiveness do? It gives God space and opportunity to work. And now here comes the question. Do you want to give God space and opportunity to work in your marriage? Well, sure we do. In our homes, on the job, do you want to give him that space? Then, then we've got to bring a different attitude into this. I know it sounds extreme. Forgiveness is tough sometimes. I think John said it multiple times Wednesday night in a great drive-home point. Some things are more severe. There's some tough stuff. But forgiveness sets the prisoner free, and sometimes the prisoner's you, and you just don't realize it. Go with me to Acts 7. We'll look at it. An extreme case that we covered on Wednesday nights. And maybe it'll give us a little vantage point to look at our own situation. Acts 7, down in verse 51, Stephen is speaking very strongly. And uh, he's pretty, pretty wound up. Uh, wasn't a great speech as far as uh, didn't get the crowd all excited in a good way. They were ready to stone him. And he's dealing with injustice. He's dealing with wrong. In verse 51, he says, you stiff-necked people. <laughs> I got a feeling he didn't say it like that. You stiff-necked people. I mean, y'all can just imagine if I got up here and was saying this to y'all. You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. You are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. And you have received the law that was put into effect through angels, but you have not obeyed it. And when they, he's talking to the religious bunch. But when they heard this, they were furious and they gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, what does it say? 
full of the Holy Ghost, full of the Holy Spirit. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. I didn't even think about that. It just totally connects to what God was saying to us earlier. He saw the glory of God. These people are angry around him. This is a mob around Y'all, they weren't civilized. They fought ugly. I mean, gnashing their teeth at him. That's just pretty demonic looking. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He looked up to heaven and he saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And the crowd hushed and was in awe. No. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed him They dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. A.K.A. Paul. Anybody heard of him? While they were stoning Stephen, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, Receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not lay this sin against them. Mm. I'm not going to teach the Wednesday night messages. If y'all missed them, you missed them. You go back and listen to them and maybe John will cover his again. Y'all. While they're stoning him. While they're stoning him, he falls to his knees and he says, Lord Jesus, do not hold this sin against him. And when he had said this, he died. He fell asleep. Extreme. Acts 8 verse 1. And Saul was there, giving approval to his death. See, Saul was traveling, persecuting the churches, persecuting the new believers, and thought that he was doing it for God, thought he was doing it in the name of God, because these, this new cult, I'm sure he thought, of Jesus Christ's followers were destroying the 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 Jewish traditions, and they they were angry about it. And so he was going and persecuting Christians. So when they were stoning Stephen, and Stephen was saying, I'm seeing Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father God, they were laying their coats, their jackets, so that they could hurl stones better. They were laying them at the feet of this man named Saul. And Saul is standing there, church, when Stephen says, Lord Jesus, do not lay this sin against them. And you know what? The scripture tells us that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins. And and Stephen just forgave the crowd And he just forgave a man named Saul. Now go back to what we talked about earlier. Unforgiveness and anger gives opportunity to the devil. Forgiveness gives space and opportunity for God to work. Stephen forgives Saul. Chapter 9, Jesus reveals himself on the road to Damascus, to a man named... What opportunity do you think caused that? Do you... I mean, we don't know. 
But do you think chapter 9, the road to Damascus experience of Saul's conversion, where he experienced and had experience with Jesus Christ, could have been given that opportunity because Stephen gave God that opportunity when he forgave Saul? The road to Damascus was not the first experience that Saul had with Jesus. He saw Jesus through Stephen in chapter 7. So we want to hold people in the place of unforgiveness and at the same time ask God to work in their lives? Or do we want to forgive them and give God the space and opportunity to work in their life? What do we really want? What do we really want? Or do we just want to hold them accountable forever? And I'm not saying you lay yourself back down to be abused. I'm, I'm saying we have to get the unforgiveness out of us. And, and, and in doing so, we give God the space to work in that person's life. Whether they let him or not is up to them. But we give, we give him opportunity to do his work. That's way better than y'all are shouting. Denise Renner has a great little book on forgiveness, Rick Renner's wife. And she said, when we don't forgive, we hold people in the place they are in. Now, I know people can hold you in unforgiveness and you can go to God and you can still walk in forgiveness. But this, this is a great truth. When we, don't, when we hold people in unforgiveness, we keep them in the place that they were in goes right back to what we said. Do we want to give God opportunity to work in their lives? Let me give you that quote correctly. When we don't forgive, we hold people in the place they are in. We hold them in the past. We hold them in what they did. We hold them there. In our relationship with them, we hold them there. And, they, and in our relationship with them, they can't grow past it because we can't grow past it. And I'm just going to add Susan's add-on to Denise. When we don't forgive, we are held in the place we are in with that person. Can't grow past, your marriage won't go past it. Your relationship with your kids won't go past it. We've got to move into the area of forgiveness. Deal with your children when things need to be dealt with, but then give them a clean slate. Why is it that we want to... If it was wrong the first time, it's probably wrong the tenth time. So you really don't have to go back and say, you did this, then, that, then, and then you did that, and then you did that until you get up to the tenth time. Or you can just say, you know we're not going to do that. That's not, what, that's not the right way to do this. It's not what the Word says, whatever you need to say. There's really no need to rehearse people's failures. If it's failure, it's, it's a new failure. If they messed up, it's a new mess up. There's really no need to rehearse their failures. Does that make sense? Married people, deal with things. Deal with things. Don't sweep them under the rug and call it forgiveness when it's just really suppressed emotion. Smoldering, waiting for fuel. Man, this, this book gives some great things. And I'll just give you a quick little rundown. One thing it says to deal with anger is to restrain your immediate response. What's that scripture, Mom? It talks about pushing it back till afterwards. It doesn't mean pushing it back forever, not dealing with it, but let's get a hold of ourselves. Let's think this through. Let's get a game plan. A fool utters his whole mind, but the wise, yes, keep it till afterwards. So restrain your immediate response. Locate the true source of your anger. Now, I just have to tell you, this is a big one for me. Because sometimes if there's a lot going on or there's other things going on, Rusty and all of his charm can come in, but because I have something else going on, he kind of gets the wrath of Susan. Just look straight ahead, babe. 
he can kind of get the wrath of Susan when he's really not the source of my anger. And he, he, he's learned when and I've learned when and we kind of learn each other what different stresses, you know, do to us. And after 21 years, we've kind of got a few things figured out. 21, right? Did I get that right? Okay. You kind of have to figure out. Locate the true source of your anger. We do this with our kids a lot, y'all. We're really frustrated at the day. But you take it out on your kids because you're on edge and they do one little thing because they're kids and that one little thing pushed you over the edge when it was really work and you know what happened and the finances or whatever is really what brought you to the edge but the kid is in the car and they touched you locate the true source of your anger and it is perfectly right to apologize to your children when you are wrong. Or your husband. Analyze your options. Hey, you can't just ignore that things happen. You've you got to do something. Well, they won't go to counseling. You know what I've started doing? I've got a little sheet that I ask questions of people when they're going to get married. And one of those questions is, if you have an issue in your marriage, can your mate come and talk to me? Because if we can't, I don't need to marry you. Well, they just don't want to go. They don't want people to know. Everybody knows. They might not know the dirty details, but there's some things you can't hide. You talk to each other like that. Analyze your options. What can we do about this? What can we do about this? And then do it. We've got to do something different or we're going to wake up the next time a big event happens, it's just going to add to, add to. And that is not what you want your foundation built out of, is all those horrible things. We've got to start taking care of some of these issues and quit ignoring them. And that's the fourth one. Take constructive action. What are we going to do? Because this is going to happen again if we don't. It's going to. If we don't do something, it's going to happen again. This has everything to do with your children. This has everything to do with your success in business. This has everything to do with your witness as a Christian. This has every home. We've got to start living forgiveness at home. Y'all remember Rusty's big question, don't you? Well, if you weren't there on Wednesday nights, you might not. But babe, what if somebody does something like... Over and over and over and over again. I just laughed. Matthew 18. Verse 21. I'm not saying it's easy. I just happen to know the answer. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him up to seven times. And Jesus says, I say to you, not just seven times, but up to 70 times seven. I think what Jesus' point is here, you have to live in forgiveness. We have to live in forgiveness. I'm not saying you have to live in something that's horrible. I'm saying we've got to live in forgiveness. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay... His master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and that payment be made. And the servant fell before him and he said, Hey, have patience with me. I'll pay you all. And then the master of that servant was moved with compassion. He released him and forgave him of all the debt. Who did this forgiveness set free? The debtor. Let's go back. Let's go back. 
But when he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his... Your forgiveness can set your family free. Your unforgiveness will affect your family. In fact, and we'll end with this. We could go further in that. Your forgiveness can set generations free. You can pass down the Hatfields and McCoys. Does anybody even talk about that anymore? Am I really old? I guess I'm really old. Okay, well, I plan on getting older. Good news. You can, you can keep up bitterness, and it can cause a generational curse in your family. Things, what I mean is things can be passed down. We don't like them because they don't like them because mom didn't like them and dad didn't like them. And, or your forgiveness can set free generations. It's not just about you. It's about your home. Amen? Is that enough for today? Can we just take that and get some more later? Because I think I just need to go home now and probably write a letter of apology to my husband and my children. And my mother. And, and y'all can stand. Thank you for being willing to listen to a tough subject. But I believe God's just getting us ready for glorious things. And it's just time to get some things handled. We talked about some tough things today. And I want you to know if you ever need to discuss tough things, you are welcome to call the office and come in and visit with us. I guarantee you whatever it is that you're dealing with, um, you're probably not the first human on the planet that's dealt with it. And we're not going to think any less of you or any more of you uh, when you tell us what you're going through. Uh, we've been through things, and we've dealt with people who have gone through things. And all we can do is give you the word. We're not counselors, but all we're going to do is give you the word. Pray with you, be there to support you. But don't ever be ashamed to say, this is something I'm dealing with in my life. We're, we're here to help people win. Amen? And, and we're not going to see you in any... And we've heard, some, we've heard some stories. But you know what? Every single one of those people, we're for them. Amen? You agree? Father, we're thankful. We're thankful for your word that it addresses the tough stuff. We're thankful that it applies to our life. It's not out of date. It is very, very relevant. And Father, we know that you're growing us and stretching us, and sometimes that's not real comfortable. But Father, we like where it's taking us. We thank you for homes of peace. We thank you that that's what you're creating through your word, that your Holy Spirit is our helper. We're not out here trying to do it by ourselves. But if we're willing, Father, your Holy Spirit will tell us what to do. He'll give us the answers. He'll show us in some way through a book, through a message, through a song, just in our spirit. Father, your, your Holy Spirit's here to help us. So we are willing to till up that ground and let some things in uh, from you. We've certainly let in a lot of things from the other route. So we're willing to let you have space here. And to, to help us know every marriage, every home represented in this building can improve. That's what we see. We can all improve. And Father, may you get the glory for our homes. May our homes be lights. Not without fault, but lights. Father, we're going to do things your way and we're going to get your results. We're committed to it. And we thank you and we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, the church said.